Uh, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew 6, um, verse 9. This is Jesus speaking. He says, This then is how you should pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So this is the third talk in this series, and Joel has led us through, you know, our Father and what, what that means to be children and to be able to address the God, the creator of the universe, as Father. And then he led us through, you know, making God's name holy and the fact that God's name is holy and making it holy in our lives and, and how we are to interact with that. But really, these three statements, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done, are three requests that kind of frame the prayer. We're asking God, make your name holy. That is, shift the focus from my glory to your glory. And then we're asking him for his kingdom to come. And that is, shift the focus from my power and my authority to your power and your authority. And then we're asking him uh, that his will be done. And that is, shift the focus from what I desire and my priorities to your desires and your priorities. And really, the rest of the prayer sits in that context. We pray, forgive us and give us and all of those things, but we make those requests in that frame of, of your, your name, your kingdom, and your glory, and your will. So today we're talking specifically about the kingdom, and we're going to ask three questions. And, uh, you know, I, these are three questions that I sat with for a couple of weeks now since I knew I was going to do this and, and uh, have been challenged, um, and, I, and I hope you will be as well. Um, so the first, the first question we're going to ask is kind of general. And then we're going to get a little more specific, and then we're going to drive it home at the end. So the first question is, what is a kingdom? We're asking, you know, God, your kingdom come. What, what is that? And, and to do that, we're going to look at what a king is and what a kingdom is in general. Um, a king has authority. He gets to make the rules. He gets to set the punishments for rule breakers. Um, everything in the kingdom is ultimately first his and then for the good of his subjects all the resources of the kingdom, all of the service of his subjects, all of those are his to claim when he wants and, and secondarily for his subjects. Um, if you're like me, when, when you hear that, you know, the hair on the back of your neck starts to kind of tingle and you're like, authority, I don't, I don't know if I like that word. Can we, can we phrase it a little differently and talk about, you know, what he would desire and things like that? And, and we can talk about those things, but we're going to talk about authority today because he is the king. Um, the truth is, we may talk about, you know, God being king, but, but do we really understand what that means? And, and we don't have to learn to resist that. That's a natural thing. I can say something as simple to my kids as, you know, it's time to sit down at the table for dinner. And immediately it becomes a situation where that becomes one opinion among many about what time it is. And, Dad, I was doing this, and, you know, my friend over here is doing that, and, and I'm still playing, and I'm putting together this puzzle, and, and all of those things get, you know, I'm just a drop in the bucket of all the opinions they're now weighing against um, what time it is. But that's kind of the same thing we do with our father when he says it's time to come to the table, right? We sit and we say, I know what you're saying about who you are and who I am, and I get that, but, you know, my work says I'm... I'm this, or my spouse says I'm that, or this voice from my past, you know, really has, has said things about me that are much deeper right now than what you have to say. So 
we have that same resistance to that, that simple statement of come to the table. It's time to eat. So I'm as Presbyterian as they come. And, you know, we talk about grace all the time. But I just want to make this point that God's mercy and his grace and his love cannot be separated from his authority. In fact, um, it is his authority that makes grace meaningful, right? If he didn't have the right to make the rules and set the punishments, then what exactly did he save us from? So when we are praying, your kingdom come, and we're, we're asking him to exert his authority and make it real in our lives, we have to realize that that, that, that is essential if we are to ever understand the forgiveness at the cross and the grace that's been extended to us. We can't pull them apart. Also, a king has a lineage. So kings, you know, kingdoms pass from king the father, king the son, king the grandson. And for that to change, usually there's a bloody revolution and, and you know, king, you know, one king deposes another. But in the normal progression of things throughout time, kingdoms have flowed through a lineage. And we're in the same situation where, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and now we are adopted children. And we're going to come back to that, but that is an essential part of this. To be king, we're not just kingdom citizens, we are princes and princesses. Princes and princesses. We are children. Also, a king, a king his, his responsibility to his subjects uh, includes you know, protection. You get, you get the image of Psalm 23, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. We're teaching our children that downstairs. We're going through Psalm 23, and the first, pic, the first story I got to teach them, and the picture was, you know, a shepherd sitting with his sheep, and they all looked the same to us. And our question to the kids was, do you think they all look the same to the shepherd? And, and the answer is no, he knows their names. You know, they're, they're, they're all identical to us. We couldn't tell them apart, but the shepherd knows everyone and what they're prone to do and how to care for that specific sheep. But in that same Psalm 23, 23 David says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So it, it is not a protection that excludes trouble. It is a protection in the midst of trouble. So we get to see that. And, that, and that's what our king, that's what a kingdom is about. It's about the authority. It's about the um, protection of the king. And it's about the lineage, the descendants, the, the, the cont continuity of the kingdom over time. So the second question is then, we, we, you know, we're saying, thy kingdom come, what does it mean for a kingdom to come? Um, the reformers had this concept of, and it boiled down to a statement, as the king, so the people. They knew that if they could get a king on their team, as it were, you know, pushing whether it was for Catholicism or Protestantism or whatever other ism they were out and about, if they could get the king on board, then the people follow suit. Ultimately, the character of a person, okay, is derived from his king. Well, whoever is on the throne, the people who are in, um, citizens of that kingdom are going to reflect that character. So what does that mean? Right? I mean, think about it. What, what about those citizens of the kingdom of money? Or those citizens of the kingdom of, of work? Or citizen of the kingdom of my past. The character, who we are, is going to effuse, is going to come out of who's sitting on the throne of our heart, who our king is. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, but people who live for things like that are always anxious. They're always worried and full of fear. 
They are anxious that they are not as good as somebody else or that they have not got as much as somebody else. They are afraid that they are going to lose what they have got. Do you know that there are many people in this world today who if they lost their money would be done for? If they could not buy their pleasure? If they had to sell their house? If they had to go without their car? If they could not dress well any longer? They would be finished. The truth is that anxiety and that, and that, that struggle that we have when, when we consider the loss of things, the loss of health, the loss of job, the loss of property, any, any of those things, that anxiety is because those things cannot provide the security that the king of the universe can. And the reason for that is because we, everything that was required to make us citizens of Jesus' kingdom is in the past. So we do not have to depend on him doing something that we're not sure he's going to do. It's done. We can't be sure about our job. Who can be sure today, especially, about a job? We can't be sure about our stuff. We can't even be sure about our family, our spouse, our health. Who can control those things? But if your citizenship is in the kingdom of heaven, that security is based on something that you can absolutely look at and wrap your arms around, and it's done. I'm reminded of my Aunt Ginger. She talked about Jesus like there was no tomorrow. She, she loved people in, in a way that I would strive to. If you didn't know her or ever see her without her wig, you wouldn't know she was dying. She, she was bubbly. It was an amazing personality. She struggled basically her entire adult life with disease and the crushing weight of the inability to have children and loss of children. And yet, even before that, her citizenship was established. She knew who the king who sat on that throne was. And so as disease and, and, and sickness and, and those, those just crushing disappointments came her way, she realized that, that the kingdom was bigger than all of that, that her assurance was bigger than all of that. And ultimately, it, it just manifested itself in the grace of her life. The kingdom of Jesus Christ is good news to the sick and dying. It is offensive to the powerful. Can you think of any encounters in Jesus' life with powerful people where they weren't immediately afterward plotting to kill him? Can you think of a, an experience with Jesus with a sick person who immediately after wasn't jumping for joy and singing his praises? The kingdom is good news for the sick and dying, and we're going to look at that. So the question now becomes, and this, and this is where we just have to sit and, and consider for a while, is do we really want this kingdom? Can I pray your kingdom come in a sincere way? We are experts at sitting on the throne, right? We don't, we don't want a king. We want a committee so that we can be in charge and, and take a vote. And Here's what a blogger says. that I, I, I love his picture here. He says, you and I are not integrated, unified, whole persons. Our hearts are multi-divided. There's a boardroom in every heart. Big table, leather chairs, coffee, bottled water, whiteboard, and a committee sits around the table. There's the social self, the private self, the work self, the sexual self, the recreational self, 
the righteous self and, and as many other selves as we can bring to the table. The committee is arguing and debating and voting, constantly agitated and upset. Rarely can they come to unanimous, wholehearted decision. We tell ourselves we're this way, that anxiety determines us because we're so busy. We've got so many responsibilities. And the truth is, and I love the way he says this, the truth is we're just divided, unfocused, hesitant, and unfree. That kind of person can accept Jesus, and I'm going to translate that as invite, you know, ask the kingdom to come in in either of two ways. One is we invite him onto the committee. We give him a vote, but then he's just one more voice, one more complication. The other way is to say to him, my life isn't working. Please come in and fire my committee, every last one of them. I hand myself over to you. Please run my whole life for me. He says, that's not complication. That is salvation. So do we want this kingdom? What, is it, what does it mean to say, thy kingdom come into my life? If, you're, if your Bible is, is a red letter version, then you, then you can look at the pages you're on right now and they're all red. And that's because this prayer is in the context of a, of a passage called the Sermon on the Mount. And if you turn back a couple pages in Matthew 4, you see that Jesus for a while has been saying, um, his message so far has been repent for the kingdom is at hand. And then you can imagine in chapter 5, he's now got some crowds following him wondering, what is this about? What's, you know, is he going to restore the throne of David? We, we really need a king. These Romans are driving us crazy. We, we need this kind of statement. Now, now bring it to fruition, Jesus. And he walks up on the hillside, and you can just imagine he dusts off a rock and has a seat. And then that pause, and you can just imagine in your heart, what do you expect him to say right then? What, what, what is it that you long for him to say to you? And, what, and then what, is he, what does he say? He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Can, can you imagine the reaction there? You're either in one of the two camps at that point that divides you into the poor in spirit and the rest. And the poor in spirit, you know, their hearts are lightened. This guy just said, the kingdom is mine. The world says, I'm worthless. The world says the powerful run things, the rich run things. But this man has just said that the kingdom of God belongs to me. And then there's the others the ones that are rich and powerful. And Jesus has just said, basically, it's not yours. I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. So we're like that, right? We don't want the unkingdom of Jesus. We don't want powerlessness to define the, the rule of, of somebody we're going to call king. You know, why, why would he come as a baby in a feed trough? Why would he do that? That's not what we want, and that's not what we think we need. But the truth is, we don't like what it says about us. We don't want to consider that, that the reality of our situation is, and the, and the thing that's going to bring us into citizenship of the kingdom is an acknowledgement that we are sick and dying. That disease and, and, and poverty and all of these things are manifestations of what really is going on inside. That we need somebody not to come in and tell us what to do, but to come in and do it. 
We, we are incapable. We can't do this by ourselves. And that's the, the good news of the kingdom and the cross, the message there. Jesus gave up his princehood. He took that punishment. He became an exile. He was forsaken so that we could go from being exiles and enemies and become not just citizens but children of the king. Guys, if, that, if that's not your experience yet, if, if what I've just said makes, makes no sense, that's wonderful. Please come and talk to me because this, this is offensive to anybody who, who tries to blend this, this message with other messages. It, it will get drowned out. It won't make sense. And it's not supposed to. It is supposed to replace all of those other things that we have put on the throne. There's only one king. It's either Jesus or it's something else. It's either Jesus or it's me, right? Who gets to say what's right? Who gets to say what I do? We really love a self-portrait, right? And we really don't like a mirror. The, the kingdom of God is about tearing away that self-portrait. Not just fooling ourselves, but trying to fool people around us. I, you know, I'm a sick and dying guy. I'm hopeless without somebody to come in and do this for me. I deserve, the authority of the king is on me. I deserve his punishment unless somebody can step in. And the truth is somebody has. And that's the good news. That's what I want you to understand. So when we pray, your name be glorified, can we pray that honestly and say, my glory in this is unimportant it doesn't matter what people think of me. It doesn't matter what my reputation is. It does, it, none of that stuff is important. Your glory is important. My life is about building your name up and, and not mine. And then can we pray your kingdom? Come. My authority, the, my independence, is meaningless. It's rubbish. I need a king who can not only come in and tell me what to do, but can do it for me and deliver me from this wrath that I'm under. And can we pray, your will be done, that my priorities, the things I think are important, are, are at best secondary and probably even lower than that. That we, we ultimately, our purpose here is to figure out God's priorities and pursue those. If we can do those things, if we can pray this prayer in earnestness, then all of those, uh, the, the anxiety of trying to maintain this committee, the worry, the uncertainty, we don't, we don't have to deal with all of that, right? If, if, if we stop mixing, stirring the pot, if we stop adding these voices to Jesus, then his will be clear. If we continue to do that, his will be muffled. The committee vote, trust me, the committee vote will always be 10 to 1 or 9 to 1 or 1,000 to 1. He's going to go against the, the, the truth he's going to tell you is going to be contrary to the truth of any other kingdom. He will lose every vote if you don't just make him king and let him fire everybody else. Let's pray. Father, I'm, I'm not sure I, I, I want to move out of the seat yet. I kind of like thinking that I'm in control. I kind of like, you know, the, the plans that I've made seem good to me. Will you 
reign? Will you bring your kingdom in a way that pushes aside all of these other kings that I seek to make? Will you teach us how to be citizens of your kingdom? Will you, will you enhance our character so that they reflect yours? Will you put your words in our mouth? Will you put your actions in our body? Will you, will you be with us in whatever we do so that your kingdom can go out from this place and advance even now? And then, will you bring the not yet kingdom? Will you, will you come and complete your work? Because we know that it's not, it's not where it will be. We know that there will be a glorification, that, that the sickness and the death that, that is so... Um, strange to us now, will we'll be going away, that you are going to finish this. We love that, and we seek that, and we ask that in Jesus' name.